How do you sculpt a statue of David? Take a block of marble, remove everything that doesn't look like David. Hello, and welcome to The Common Room, a series of conversations between members of the Yale English Department. I'm Derek Green. Today, we're talking to memoirist and essayist Anne Fadiman, the Francis Writer-in-Residence at Yale. Her books include The Spirit Catches You and You Fall Down, Ex Libris, and The Wine Lover's Daughter. Anne has been the recipient of many major awards, including the National Book Critics Circle Award, the Los Angeles Times Book Prize, and the National Magazine Award. Thank you, Anne, for joining us today in the common room. Thank you for having me here, Derek. It's great to talk with you. Well, we are very excited to have you as our first guest for the fall 2021 season. The first question I would like to ask you is if you could just fill in the background a little bit. What are some parts of the story that that we didn't capture in the bio there? Okay, so I grew up in Connecticut and L.A. and preferred the former to the latter. I don't think I was ever cool enough for L.A. and I also never learned how to surf. And probably the most important factor in my background is that I was both blessed and cursed by having two writers as parents. My father was a critic and essayist, and my mother stopped writing when she had kids but had been a journalist. In fact, she was the more intimidating parent in a way. She'd been the only woman war correspondent in China during the Second World War. So the upsides of that upbringing were that there were six or 7,000 books in the house, and also that being a writer seemed like a plausible way to earn a living, you know, like being a dentist or an accountant. But the downside was maybe a long anxiety of influence lines. And I felt that anything I did as a writer would already have been done perhaps better by my parents. I think that if you want to be a writer and you grow up in a more conventional family, you can feel really original. You get to be the black sheep. Your parents are saying, ah, you'll never make a living as a writer. You know, why don't you become a dentist? But in my family, it was more like going into the family business. So not a bad heritage, but still one that didn't make me feel original. What was the path from Connecticut to L.A. to Yale or (laughs) anything else I'm missing? I spent my first decade or so as as a journalist after three years of freelancing, spent about a decade at Life magazine. It's a little bit sad to me that two of the magazines I worked with in my early career were called Life and Civilization, and Life and Civilization are both dead. And I heard that the reason that I got this job at Yale was that I was invited to give a master's tea at Calhoun College in 2003, a long time ago. So I'm very glad that both Master and Calhoun have been since expunged from Yale's vocabulary. And a young alum was going to be there, and he was starting a new magazine called Topic. His name was David Haskell and asked whether I might have any extra time to talk about editing. I said, sure. He spent about 45 minutes before the tea, but he still had a lot more questions. So I said, well, they're going to invite me to dinner afterwards, but if you want to just hang around, Yale's paid for car service to bring me home to Western Massachusetts. It's more than an hour and a half. And that car is just going to come back to New Haven afterwards. Why don't you just ride with me and we can keep on talking in the car? And David Haskell said, gee, that sounds like a good idea. We had a really fun conversation. 
And apparently I was being vetted at the tea, but also the powers that be heard about the conversation in the car. And that seemed to match the vision that Paul Francis, who had endowed my position, had for it. Somebody like William Zinser, who'd been his writing teacher, who just really enjoyed talking with students outside class. And you're a much sought after teacher here at Yale. Students love you and talk about you. And there's a craft kind of language and lingo that you talk about. The tip of the iceberg of which is your concept of the David inside of any given work. Would you mind just talking a little bit about your approach to teaching and craft and how concepts like stripping away the the David inside of every draft works and how you develop those? Sure. Well, why don't I tell you a little bit about the David, which is an idea that I did not invent. It comes from my late dear friend, Mark O'Donnell, who's also a writer and also a teacher. He taught some humor writing classes here at Yale. And he once told me that when he was growing up and was reading the riddle sections of my weekly reader, which was a sort of newspaper for kids, he had read the following riddle, Q. How do you sculpt a statue of David? And A, it's easy. You take a block of marble and you remove everything that doesn't look like David. Uh, Michelangelo had actually said something like that himself before it became a riddle in my weekly reader. But when Mark told me that, I thought, oh my God, that is the best thing I can tell my students about how to figure out whether they're actually saying what they want to say. So the David is the organizing principle. It's the answer to the question, what are you trying to say? And if I ask a student, what's your David? And the student either says, uh, I don't know, or tells me, you know, two paragraphs, a very complex David. I say, no, that's not your David. Think harder. What are you trying to say? We all draw influences from all over the place. And I wonder, do you have a favorite piece of writing or art, it's not David, or music that you find yourself returning to? Nothing can put you in a specific mood faster and more accurately than music. So if I'm trying to write something serious and wrenching and I want to feel moved, I'll listen to the second movement of Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. But the soundtrack that is always playing in our house, because my husband and I are both children of the 60s, is Bob Dylan, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. This is Ravon every day. Well, it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby. The Beatles, Johnny Mitchell, Simon and Garfunkel, Mamas and the Papas, Crosby, Stills and Nash. I've always felt that the main problem with having a partner who was much older or younger than you were is that you wouldn't have grown up as teenagers listening to the same music. So thank God I married someone who was within nine months of my age. That's very convenient. You don't have to explain who the Beatles were. I don't have to. But don't think twice, it's all right. What's on the horizon for you, Anne? Is there something out there that you're excited about? Something that you've been doing that gets you up and going in the morning? This summer, I've been wrestling with a long, very peculiar essay about 
my family's deceased frog. And I figure that at least that has some originality going for it. That is, I don't have to worry that the market niche for deceased frog essays has already been filled. Our deceased frog lived for 16 years in a, an aquarium that was much too small for him. And it's an essay about what you do with an unpettable pet that you don't really love, but feel responsible for keeping alive. It's about shame and regret and responsibility. You didn't think you could get that much out of a frog, did you? But of course, right now, in this season, what I'm mainly looking forward to is teaching in person. As you know, the classes were more or less set last spring, so I know who my students are going to be, but I cannot wait to meet them. 11 out of the 12 are people that I've never, ever laid eyes on. And I'm actually going to lay eyes on them, not just eyes on their images on the screen. And I guess the question is, in the first class, will I be able to shake their hands? I'm so accustomed to going around the table, shaking everybody's hands and saying, oh, you are so-and-so. Great to meet you. And maybe that will never happen again. I'm not sure. But at least we'll be able to share the same room. I cannot wait. What a concept, actually getting to meet our students. (laughs) Thanks again for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you so much, Derek. And thank you for listening to The Common Room. Our producer is Robert Scaramuccia, class of 19, and our music is by Blue Dot Sessions.